Welcome to a very special edition of the Vortex Podcast. I'm your host, Ricky, a.k.a. also Caleb, and today we've got a special treat for you. Ghouls and ghost denizens of this plane of existence and those adjacent, we're diving into horror, all things horror, the genre that terrifies us, that scares us, and I'm not alone. I'm joined here by some of my esteemed amazing writing friends from the UCA Creative Writing Program, uh, Autumn, Tink, Helen, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Thanks. Guys, we're going to do a deep dive of horror. We're going we're gonna to get into all the scary, the things that keep you up at night. And we've all, I feel like we've all explored horror as a not just consumers, but as writers as well. It's something that really inspires the work that we presented either in fiction classes or other forms of classes that we produced. Um, what what really got you into the genre? What really inspired you to get into horror? Uh, My dad, uh, growing up, showed me a lot of Stephen King movies. Uh, and so all of that, like, childish fear has stuck with me and I want somebody else to feel like a childish fear as an adult and so it's just taken off from there for me for me uh personally um I did I got into horror like late in my life like after I decided that I wanted to be like an artist or a writer um because growing up terrified I my cousins still like laugh at me for being afraid of the Michael Jackson's Thriller video, because just <laughs> that sort of whole thing scared uh, young me. And But through the works of um, creators like uh, Guillermo del Toro, manga author uh, Jinji Ito, and just the way that they convey a specific tone and the, the creation of their monsters, like the designs are just really beautiful. And I, that's something that I really try to imitate, not just in my horror writing, but just like my aesthetic in general. I think my what introduced me to horror was definitely the Silent Hill games. I played the second Silent Hill game when I was a sophomore in college and immediately fell in love with the whole series, the whole genre. Um, I was like Ricky when I was a kid. I couldn't watch the, even those ghost hunting shows. Like I remember one very specific example when I was 12, I think. I watched, it was like a, a Nickel, I mean, not Nickelodeon, a Cartoon Network ghost hunting show, so it was like kids, but it still scared me so badly that I slept with the light on and like cried a little bit because I was so so afraid. Um, but what really gets me about horror and what I really want to convey in my, in the writing that I make is atmosphere. Like movies like The Thing where the gore scenes are far and in between, but there's a lot of tension between the characters and the whole atmosphere kind of puts you on edge because you don't know when the thing is going to pop out again, when there's going to be blood. That is kind of what I want to put into my work. I want to put people on the edge of their seat. My uh, first introduction to horror was when I was six years old and I my cousins made me watch Jurassic Park 2, and that was the most terrifying experience of my life. And I'm still to this day terrified of dinosaurs. Uh, but how I got into horror was a few years ago, uh, I was at a 
I was at a dorm uh, that my friend was living in, and she uh, just had a video of Markiplier's uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, and that had suddenly gone viral. Uh, and after that, like, it, it was hilarious. It was a very funny and also scary movie. So after that, I kind of looked more into Markiplier, and I watched some more of his videos, and I saw that he had a bunch of horror games specifically, and I was like, that's t this is scary and I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to watch these anyways. And I did, and I'm now just obsessed with horror. Yeah, I think uh, video games and Let's Plays also played a part in the way that I ingest horror. Because uh, I remember through high school watching uh, a YouTube channel called The Super Best Friends. And they have this like October... Uh, this October event that, they do, that they've been doing every year where they just like play all the horror games and it's usually comedic and it's usually silly but sometimes you, you get those those gem games that are just like um i'm thinking outlast spc containment breach specific uh horror theme games that just the way pt of course oh yes the uh the moment of silence for pt that will never get <laughs> sad sad um Tragic. too soon <laughs> too soon for pt it's been four years i'm never gonna let that go this my my, my children will carry this 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 this, this burden this legacy, burden. the legacy of pt write a letter to guillermo del toro and hideo kojima and just be like please for the love of god make this game <laughs> Well, hopefully, Hideo Kojima is working on a new game now that he's like free to do whatever called Death Stranding, mm -hmm. and that is a big old bag of weird. That sounds it's got really familiar. In it. The first trailer has him like holding an oily baby. It's really weird. But wow. He has like this <laughs> container with a fetus inside of it, and I'm like, <laughs> what? Incubation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like. Uh, and Guillermo del Toro's in there for, I don't know why, he's just there being, it's basically Hideo Kojima like, hey, all my friends, you want to be in this game I'm making? Norman Reedus, <laughs> yeah, man. Mad Mickelson, yeah, can I like be the commander of this legion of dead things? Sure, why not? I mean, I think that this is all a ploy of Kojima finally doing all the things that Konami wouldn't let him do, like making the... You finally let him out of the basement? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll make that. He okay. So I don't know if this is true or not, but I did hear a rumor that he wanted to make a cartridge or not a cartridge. Maybe it was a disc or a game that would bleed as you were playing it. That Dude, sounds very. Uh, that sounds very Kojima. But what is it? But what is it bleeding? Like, did they put like fake blood, or they like go all out and put like pig's blood in there? He did not specify. So I have <laughs> no idea. That's probably for the best. <laughs> God, that would ruin your system, though. I appreciate, um, what, I appreciate yeah. <laughs> the, the levels and the lengths that Kojima's willing to go for, but, man, I don't want to buy another system. That's <laughs> for the goof. suddenly on, pouring out of your console, and you're just like, why did I pay a hundred bucks for this? Like, like, forget Red Ring of Death, just your console starts bleeding. Mom? <laughs> Mom, I'm there's something uh, wrong with my place. We're leaving the house. We're going to your aunt's place. <laughs> uh, I told you that box was the devil. Uh, <laughs> speaking of going to the devil. <laughs> what? Uh, what? I'm sorry. I'm just like uh, thinking of 
just some stuff that's currently like really uh, going around in the horror genre that's really like inspiring and it's like really engaging to me. I, I don't know if anyone's seen uh, the Netflix series uh, the Haunting of Hill, the Haunting of Hill House. Yes, I just I'm, started. I've been meaning to watch that because I heard that there are lesbians in it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> actually, well, nothing else matters. I mean, exactly. My roommates both binged the, that show without me. Both, first it was my brother, and then it was my other roommate, and they and I still haven't been able to watch it, but I've seen bits and pieces of it, and all of it just. It looks amazing. I heard it's really good. Yeah, I'm only like two episodes in, and like I said the same thing about Castle Rock when I watched it. But like watching those two shows is like reading a novel because you get those big long like exposition pieces in between, and it just feels like that's already built into the story. It's like you're not missing anything because it's almost like everything that would go into a book of the story. And I was just shook. It's so good. It's so, like, well-crafted. Like, and no spoilers for people who haven't watched it. I appreciate um, it. But one of my favorite aspects of it, besides, like, the plot, the strong plot elements and the character development, is the cinematography and the way that they do transitions between... Uh, it takes place in, like, the past and the present. And I don't know if they ever get into, like, what time of the past. It feels like 70s, 80s, you know... Kids are still playing, like, Star Wars on the Atari, that sort of thing. (laughs) But um, it's the way that they seamlessly transition between the past and the present without, like, losing the audience is, like, super well-crafted. Because, for example, a character will slam a door in, in in the present and then open the door in the past. And then that's your transition. And there's so much of that just littered throughout the story. I just really appreciate it as far as the narrative goes. The one episode that I actually saw, unfortunately, was the very last episode. Oh, so, that's unfortunate. I don't. I don't really care about spoilers. If I see spoilers, then I'm then I'm us- My usual reaction is to be like, okay, now I have to go see how the story builds up to mm-hmm. this exact mm-hmm. moment because that clusterfuck of a of a final <laughs> episode. Like, okay. A clusterfuck is not the is not the right word for it, but it's just this weird bundle that I see uh, has been unwrapped very beautifully. But like, I don't know how it was built up to all this weird shit that happened in the final episode. <laughs> so I'm really curious. The journey is so worth it. Like, once you get to all the little like strings that lead to that big clusterfuck at the end, it's just. Like un- like those videos on YouTube where they do like really satisfying things super fast. And it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just unraveling and it's amazing. It's just, just a set of dominoes is the plot line. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, yes. It's dominoes in multiple. Anyway. Um, but is there anything besides um, Haunting of Hill House that's really like inspiring you or really like driving you right now? The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is out and I'm about halfway through it and I love it. I don't like Riverdale, but I like Sabrina. And technically they're in the same universe, but like Sabrina's like, what up? I attend the Church of Night that's run by Satan. Also I ran away from my dark baptism. Whatever. And so it's like that weird like kitschy kind of evil that I'm fond of. I wasn't sure like my 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 other roommate is also watching that currently. Um, so what my roommates watch, I tend to also watch if I'm there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw some of Sabrina, and I and I liked it, but I 
I'm not. Sure, I don't know if it fit in well with the original. Like, I well, like, it's not supposed to. I know. It's. I know it's not. I, Is it I like just, a reboot? Well, there was like a 2014 comic series that they didn't finish, oh. and so like it's based off of that. Okay, that makes more sense. It's not the same universe as Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Would have it would have yeah. been more interesting to me if it was more like the original TV show. But if it's but if it was coming from a comic, then that makes a lot. Of yeah, sense. yeah. I mean, like in the first like few pages of the comic, you see like Madame Satan raised out of a graveyard and was like, "I'm gonna get my revenge." God, man, her aunt is a bitch. <laughs> Wait, Madame uh, Satan is Sabrina's aunt? No, uh, uh, Zelda. Zelda and Hilda. Oh, oh, okay. I've never watched Sabrina, any of the iterations, except, was there an animated Sabrina? Yes! Yes. There was? I am familiar with that. I remember that. How did I miss that? Uh, I don't remember. It was like an early 2000s. Yeah, Yeah, very very early 2000s kind of cartoon. It was like that, and also, uh, Brace Face. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot like Brace Face, like, visually, and in terms of, like, plotline. Mm-hmm. Those stories might blend together for me in my mind, to be honest. <laughs> they're basically the same. It's I fine. Mean, basically, they're the same. It's a <laughs> general idea. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Like, because while I was uh, binge watching Hill House over the weekend, I just like go over to the to the next room and see my sisters. Like, hey, what are you watching on Netflix? Oh, I'm watching a s- show called Sabrina. That's out already. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I know what I'm going to watch next, and. Uh, I'm really excited to see where that goes. Uh, anyone else? Something you're interested in right now? Oh, uh, there are so many horror games that uh, I, I, I'm more interested in horror games rather than movies. I love watching horror movies, but uh, games specifically are more interesting to me because the player gets to interact with this horrifying world rather than just sit and watch it. Um, uh, games like uh, Silent Hill PT, uh, Among the Sleep, uh, uh, which is one of my favorite games still, uh, Alien Isolation 2, uh, that was one of the first games that I watched of Markiplier, uh, and scared me shitless because I, somehow the game is more terrifying than any of the movies. It's hard to say, like, any... A lot of there's there's just so many horror games that I'm just so into, but I can't really pick one that have you, makes sense. Have you done Layers of Fear? Yes, that was so good. <laughs> yes, I played it all at once, and I put headphones on for the full experience, and so like my family couldn't hear anything, and so if they weren't looking at the TV, and I just screamed. They, they were really concerned for me, and I was like, it's fine, I'm, it's fine, it's just like a doll or something, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Layers of Fear definitely goes to like a lot of really interesting places, and especially takes from that PT vibe of like mm-hmm. impossible space, the house, where it's just like you go into one room and now you come back out and the house layout is completely different, or it's flipped or done in different ways, and... You go to the end of one hall and you try a door and you see that it's locked and you turn around and suddenly the hallway is completely different than before. Or one of my favorite parts is when uh, you enter a room, uh, the door slams behind you, you turn around to see the door, you, then you turn around back to the room and everything's just stand, floating in midair or like about to hit you in the face. <laughs> like, and that's, that's the first jump scare that's like, my soul, it's gone. I'm done. <laughs> I loved how uh, it was depicted... The, the main character was was an artist, uh, and a lot of the horror elements involved art, and a lot of the paintings that you'd see throughout the game just would melt. And then 
and then in re the reality, uh, things that also melt similar to the paintings, and it was very creepy and it was very well done. I think it was only like for a, a demo, though, wasn't it? Or what, mm, what did the full game know. come out? Yet? The full game came out. I don't know when, but I played it at my parents' house at Christmas because I was like, "Hey, Padre, I see you've downloaded this for free. I'm gonna <laughs> play it. Is that okay?" And he was like, "Yeah." I'm so so good. that's that's so weird to me that parents do, do still do video games. My parents have nothing to yeah. do with that. Oh, no. No, My no. dad is all about video games. Gears of War and like God of War oh, are his favorites. Oh, wow. He likes all the da, 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 kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that parents, probably didn't translate without the motions, but uh My parents had a Super Nintendo with um, Super Mario World and that was it. That's the extent of their <laughs> experience with video games. Oh yeah, I feel you there. Uh my my mom no video games whatsoever. My dad can will only plays one video game and he's better than anyone I know. He's a god at Pac Man. I don't know why. He's just a god at Pac Man. <laughs> That's my a dad's good one. the same way, but with with the other old one. It was the one with the spaceship. Oh, Galaga. Uh, Galaga. Galaga. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He was. We like I have Galaga. that on my phone now. <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, Layers of Fear, is, I think it's fully done, and it ha it mm -hmm. just got released, I think, maybe a month or two back for the Nintendo Switch, and it now has DLC too, Ooh. which is something definitely to look I into. To oh, yeah, I only just watched a playthrough of it. Little Nightmares, have you guys played <gasps> Little, that? Oh I've watched god. somebody else play it. I, yeah, that's what I did, but oh my god, it is so cool. I don't think I've actually seen um so you play as a girl named six and she is in this area called the maw where everything is much bigger than she is and it's um oh no yes i did see yeah it. it's and it's got the little yellow raincoat yeah 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 mm -hmm. okay and I so remember. she's trying to get out of the maw and so each different level area has some kind of huge monster that she has to stay away from or you know she'll get eaten or killed in some way and it's uh, the monster designs are so cool and the platforming looks really like nice and eaten you know like tight if that makes sense it's not like anyway it's a really cool game and i definitely recommend it very visually uh stunning honestly yeah it has a great art style what it uh, i'm blanking out on the name of the director who uh Edward Scissorhands, um, Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Yeah. It feels very Tim Burton. It to does. Me. It does. Like, when I first saw that art style, it's just like Tim. Did Tim Burton? Did Did he make a Did he make a game? And it's just like <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's similar. It does sure. a lot Johnny of Johnny Depp. <laughs> Plot twist: Johnny Depp is the little girl. Let's <laughs> um, hope not. I mean, there's all. That's um, fair. Mm, Maybe in the DLC. <laughs> there is a DLC, actually. There's a lot of Where you play as a little boy, and so he's in kind of in the same situation, though he has some different monsters to deal with. And it's really interesting, but it doesn't end well. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I don't think I would expect that to end yeah. well. Is that the one where he morphs into a really fleshy monster? Uh, I don't think he morphs into mm -hmm. a monster, but he does get turned into a little, like, gnome-looking thing. Oh, okay. Like one of the little monsters that oh, Six yeah. interacts with through throughout uh, the map. I, I, I think I'm thinking of a different game, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Speaking of horror games, are any of you familiar with the RPG Maker horror games? Stuff like Eve, 
um, not the as witch's much. house. I have witch's seen house. Bits of the witch's house. Has, yeah, I've also seen Yuminiki. That's my favorite. Um, because there are a ton of them and they're all really interesting. Um, and that's what I played a lot of those when I was in high school, and that's kind of something that introduced me to horror to an extent. Like when you were mentioning in Layers of Fear, the artists and the melting paintings, that's immediately made me think of Eve, mm-hmm. since you're in the art gallery and the paintings are alive and they try to kill you, that kind of thing. Proper horror right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've been talking about scary video games. What was that one, like Damien, about, you know, the Antichrist? Oh, yeah. And he has to, like, kill everybody in the house. Oh, and not no. get caught. I've never heard of that. Uh, no, it's not. He's not uh, it's called, I think, Lucifer, and it's uh, and it's, I think there's two of them actually, mm-hmm. and it's it's basically and it's it's really interesting because like it has a, a tone of like uh, you know you're the Antichrist and your job is to basically solve puzzles to kill people <laughs> and um, you know get your devil powers or whatever. I haven't like your devil dealt, powers. <laughs> get, <laughs> All that fun stuff. Get, I haven't uh, delved into it a lot myself. But it's also like the way that the game is programmed and the way that the puzzles really work out Hush, is um, it's very like like silly a physics based game oh. where like you'll like kill someone at, with uh, with a trap and they'll just ragdoll onto the floor and it's like <laughs> The game's telling me, like, the sound design and everything is telling me this should be really dramatic, but it just looks real silly, man. <laughs> I think Bloodborne does that a couple times, too. Oh, <laughs> God. Bloodborne. The, the Lovecraftian masterpiece. Yeah, I was about to say we didn't even bring up um, Bloodborne. Yeah, that's a good one. I still need to either play that or watch somebody else play it without I watched, commentary. Yeah, I watched um, someone else play a little bit of it, and the atmosphere is really cool. I liked it a lot. So we've talked a lot about, like... Uh, some of our favorite uh, examples of the horror genre. When it comes to like your writing specifically, what are some things that you really try to pull from in creating like either your horror narratives or just suspense or tone or that sort of atmosphere in general? Um, one of the okay, the two most important things to me in a horror game, uh, not just games, in horror in general, uh, the ambiance. Uh, the which is the uh, the sounds and what and what you're seeing on the screen uh, or whatever media uh, uh, if you pick the right music and the right sound effects and a lot of times the best sound effects are the ones that uh, not the best sound effects just like in like in Silent Hill PT for the most part it's very quiet for the for most of the game and that's what's very unsettling about it. But uh, in other games, it's uh, uh, some rising and falling of very creepy music that'll alert you to possible danger um, and whatnot. And visually, the uh, it'll set it's it's responsible for setting the tone. It'll uh, clue you into a lot of uh, what, what what the horror is and whatnot. And just the ambiance sets sets the tone. The second thing that's very important to me is the monster reveal. Uh, that's it's very hard uh, to pick the right moment for the uh, viewer or player to see the monster or interact with the monster. So like the pacing up until that point uh, has to be right on, uh, right on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like you can't you can't reveal the monster too soon, or else uh, the rest of the 
the piece will be a little bland, uh, but you also can't wait too long or else they'll have a, more of a sense of security and there's not really that much danger. But uh, if you just... Mm, the monster reveal uh, is... I just completely lost my train of thought there. But it is very important. I tell you this right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me just did uh, our genre analysis for uh, Sandy's uh, illustrative narrative classes where we yes, talked about uh, you talked about PT and I talked uh, or horror games using PT mm-hmm. as your example and I talked about uh, horror manga focusing on the work of Jinji, one Jinji Ito and I think they both work one because uh, he worked on both of them in a way but also that idea of Timing is everything, yes. and myst- and a sense of mystery and unknown in mm-hmm. with your horror is probably one of the most effective elements that uh, any storyteller can use because you know we all kind of know the rules about how like vampires work you know holy water garlic uh, silver bullets silver bullets crosses crosses um, religious paraphernalia in general. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, zombies, you know, unless, unless of course, you're dealing with, like, genetically enhanced fast zombies from Resident Evil, then you're pretty much dead. Genetically um, enhanced. Super zombies. Um, <laughs> but these are subgenres and tropes that we all know, and it's kind of difficult, I feel, for writers to do something with them and kind of have to reinvent the wheel, kind of twist it a little bit, whereas with maybe something completely different, maybe something more mundane. Uh, I'm thinking of, I've been trying to catch up on some of the horror that, some of the horror movies that I've missed over the past couple of years, stuff like The Babadook. Stuff oh, that's like, a great one. Stuff I, didn't like that one. I didn't really like that one. I just, I like the meme scene where she screams at him in the car and he just screams back. Here's the thing, like, <laughs> I think The Babadook is one of those things where, like, I respect it for being as effective as mm-hmm. it is, but I I watched it once. I'm never going to watch it again because mm-hmm. that child is the worst. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that I get it. That's like the whole point of the movie. But I think that's also what makes it really effective. That that feeling because there's there's horror. There's like aggressive elements to it, but it doesn't outright outright scare you as as say something like Thirteen Ghosts. Uh, something. Uh, I'm think. I'm thinking of more or uh, like your paranormal activities. Your yeah. your you know those movie jump scare heavy yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of those. Like every once in a while, it's okay to put it in there. But like, I'm also more of like a psychological thriller kind of person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, I want to finish the movie questioning my sanity. You know, I don't care how many times I jumped in the movie. If all your movie is doing is making me jump, I'm not really being scared because it's not going to stay with me. Yeah, it's less scary and more annoying if there are just Mm -hmm. jump scare after jump scare because you're like, okay, I don't find this interesting, I don't find this scary, but you startle me every time you do this, and it's frustrating to watch. Okay, I figured out what I wanted to say about the monster reveal. The best monster reveal is the one where you... uh, you don't know what the monster is for a very long time 
and uh, if the pacing is right and the it, and it builds up that unknown feeling and you and you constantly looking out for this monster that may or may not be there then that is what will set the viewer on edge and that's it just and it just works which is what PT did very well because you only saw glimpses of the monster a couple of times well, the, the ghost anyways um, but yeah if it the, the monster reveal needs to be like at the most unexpected place and it can happen with a very a very well done jump scare if need if need be mm-hmm. but but you're right jump scares aren't uh they don't need to be they, it doesn't need to have so many jump scares that they'll they'll just make you like jump every now and again or or often you shouldn't have to rely on a jump scare in order to scare your audience yeah exactly. Yeah. if all you're doing is relying on jump scares you need to go back and rewrite yeah it feels kind of like like a cheap get like there there's it's not really like the narrative or the tone or the setting that's really like putting you on edge it's just oh you're gonna freak me out again i'm just gonna clench and wait until you know that jump scare that's gonna come rather than Wow, how is this creature working? How is what is what is going on? Is it is it is there actually anything, or is it all in you know the protagonist's head? And I think that's something that psychological horror has really skyrocketed and really changed the dynamic of like symbolism in horror. Because when we think back of like the monsters that were prevalent in you know in the old in the beginnings of horror from like you know the seventies and eighties with slasher films, moving forward to now where it's very like. I want to say it's in the middle. It's in the middle ground between like um, possessions and uh, that's and uh, exorcisms and that sort of horror genres that are very prevalent in movies and, and storytelling right now. But also psychological, where is there actually something going on, or is the protagonist just having some sort of disassociative episode? Or at the same time, though, I feel like the whole protagonist this was all in the protagonist's head or the protagonist is in a coma things like that have started to Mm -hmm. become really overused in bad horror stories Mm -hmm. like stuff that you find on the creepypasta wiki and stuff like that that it's like oh this this all the scary things were happening and it was in the protagonist's head the whole time so i feel like if you're going to do that in your work you need to make it more vague i guess like maybe when you're writing a story you can imply that maybe this isn't really happening and maybe it's because the protagonist is losing their grip on reality but i wouldn't directly state it because then it's like oh wow well none of that was real so how is that scary mm-hmm. and also um will a lot of those kinds of things will kind of demonize mental illnesses which mm-hmm. yeah. i'm not a fan of like no. what was that one that came out split uh, split split, split. split. That, was, yeah. that was a bad objectively one, yeah. objectively it was like a decent movie but i left and i was telling my friends i'm like you know that's not what that mental disorder is right like that's not not even close and they're like oh really yeah it's it I, was didn't, a very... I didn't watch the movie but it's because it was about a mental disorder yeah i don't blame I you like, yeah. And one really toxic trope that I don't know if they do this as much anymore is there have been been more than one horror movie where the, the, the antagonist is trans. Like, you know, stuff like Psycho and... That movie, it's Silence of the Lambs, I think, is has mm-hmm. another. I haven't actually seen that. Oh, yeah, you're talking not... about the lotion in the basket guy. 
I don't know. Or that actually... just... Oh, with... Um... Yeah, with buff with Buffalo Bill and like, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, he dresses up as as a woman and like uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but... it just it doesn't feel right. It feels like they're demonizing being trans and just in this in like in this environment, this political environment. I don't think that's fair or right to do to make it like ooh scary trans person. Like I don't know. It's always rubbed me the wrong way. That's fair. One of the unfortunate things about uh, being so into the horror genre now is that I, I I usually have a good idea of when to expect a jump scare, especially in movies. Like in games, it's a lot easier to uh, catch me off guard, but mm-hmm. um, in movies, if there is a certain uh, cinematic uh, uh, shot and uh, like maybe the character is, is facing one way and you see like a, an empty room behind them and you're just like, Something's gonna appear mm-hmm. right now, and then or the next couple of seconds, and it's not gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. So, and while watching horror movies, I, it's kind of uh, it kind of scares me more. But at the same time, like uh, when I'm expecting the jump scare, it lessens it, but it also raises the tension really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen some really good fake outs in situations yes, like that. So, like, yeah. you have this atmosphere where you think this would be a great place to put a jump scare or for the monster to appear, and it just doesn't happen. And so it kind of just makes you, puts you on edge thinking, like, well, when is it going to happen? Because it was a really good potential um, jump scare right there, but there wasn't one, so, that's yeah. Like, that's kind of like in Dark Skies. Uh, mm-hmm. uh have you, have you seen Dark Skies? I don't think so. Uh, it's a, a kind of an alien invasion one, but uh, the, the the family that it focuses on, um, these aliens, they don't actually reveal themselves. You only see you only see glimpses of them in passing. Like maybe it'll build up to a, a possible jump scare moment, uh, or even not. Like the the tone. Uh, is just kind of chill, but then suddenly there's like a glimpse of an alien right behind one of the characters, and you're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> you, you know what you just reminded me of? You just reminded me of a horror. Well, yeah, I'd call them horror, like a horror franchise that I I totally forgot about that I really enjoy. That works on that same premise of you don't know the, what the monster is until like the very end of the movie is uh, are you guys familiar with the Cloverfield series? Oh yes, yeah! I, love... I haven't seen it but I it's on my list. I haven't seen it either but I, yeah. Actually uh, I, 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 I've only seen the first Cloverfield but I unironically love that movie. It's That's a series of movies that really kind of like takes what's established in horror and uh, also just kind of like plays with the fluidity of genres mm-hmm. because uh it starts out as you think it's one movie and then it'll end in another genre and that's something that stays throughout. I think there's uh, three of the Cloverfield movies right now. There's uh, the first one, there's uh, Clover 10 Cloverfield Lane, which its own thing, and then Netflix had its own Cloverfield, which is the Cloverfield Paradox. And each one ha- works on that sort of, it starts in one thing and goes in a completely different direction. And I think that's something that's really effective, like mm-hmm. going into into horror. Like, how do you guys feel about the blending of horror with other genres, like as parody or maybe oh, something I, else? I love parody and satirical Cabin horror. Cabin in the Woods is unapologetically like, my favorite like, horror it, movie. It's it takes all the uh, tropes of horror movies and just 
and just presents it so you can just laugh the fuck out of it. And Marty is my favorite character. I think horror comedies can be either really good or really bad. Something like yeah. Teeth, for example. I <laughs> loved oh. Teeth. Is that a comedy? I love Teeth. I mean, the concept is so I mean, silly. It is. I mean, but that, but you could also say that about It Follows, and that's definitely not a comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It Follows was was such a weird tone for me when I saw it. I saw it actually recently when I, I was at, right mm-hmm. after I watched The Babadook, and it's just sort of like the. I get what it means kind of like as a metaphor, but yeah, that's, I guess that's sort of like depends on the way that it's conveyed and like if it nails the mark or not, because we were saying like where stuff like Cabin in the Woods nails the mark real hard, you know, the in-jokes of horror as opposed to Teeth or um, or It Follows where it's, it's trying something different, but something about the tone or the pacing just isn't there mm-hmm. can you guys think of like horror like anything recently that you've seen where it's like maybe something new or a twist on horror that it it tried something but it just didn't hit the mark i know there's a, a netflix original i think called i am the pretty thing that lives in the house and like it gets like the setting and the creep factor and you're always expecting something to happen but then it never actually delivers like it got that the atmosphere perfect which is so difficult to do for that kind of movie but there was just no plot Mm -hmm. and i i've never been that unsatisfied with a movie and i've watched a lot of bad movies (laughs) i recently watched the descent and the descent 2 love those movies Mm -hmm. uh was actually properly scared for good bits of it um it definitely did the monster reveal very well um you didn't you didn't know what the monster was for a very for quite a long time and you and the main character would you, you would see like glimpses of it like something would just move in the shadow and completely freak you the fuck out uh, however the design of the monster fell a little flat because it was it was these human shaped creatures and they were obviously just humans you know people with a lot of makeup or whatever um I think if they'd uh, gone a little bit more fantastic with it, or a little just a little more gross, uh, rather than like clearly uh, a a uh, a type of human that just branched off really early in the evolutionary thing. Um, I think if they had done more with that, it might have been a little more a little scarier. But I don't know, just these little human goblin creatures that it didn't really bother me that much. So I how do you like... feel about the the monsters from the village then? The vi- I haven't seen the village. Oh, oh you need to watch it. That's, need to watch it. I feel like that's a twist that sort of pays off as opposed yeah. to not because it's yeah. it's again much like in the in the style of Cloverfield, it leads you into the one direction and then mm-hmm. at the last minute takes you somewhere else. It's like it's just like slapping you in the face like you were wrong, but like you're you're pleased to be wrong. Yeah. And I think it's it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with like uh, with how you earn it with uh, um, with it's all it was all a dream or mm-hmm. with jump scares mm-hmm. it's like the pacing and the direction has to own you know has to has to earn you know the ending and the twist at the very end mm-hmm. and I think something that maybe kind of doesn't work when you when the genres is when something is shown to be horror like in the trailers or in the promotional material 
and maybe that's not what the director had in mind. I'm thinking specifically of uh, Guillermo del Toro's um, Pan's Labyrinth. No, the oh, it's, um, a great movie. it's the one. With, uh, Crimson Peaks. Yeah, Crimson, Crimson Peak. Peak. It's I like technically a gothic that. romance. That's the thing. It's yeah, not a horror. It got okay. critically panned because everyone like that's not scary. It's not supposed to be scary. It's a gothic romance. Yeah. It's not. It's not. I love that be. movie. I've seen I, it too many times. I thought Dude, it was very that fantastic. Scene, the, the the scene where the uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston. 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 Yes. It was uh, you know having hot times with his with his wife and he's just crawling up the bed and I was like oh, damn <laughs> yeah but I think that's uh, you know something that goes into like the way that you convey your horror and earning because if you go in with a certain perspective that movie like uh, is pretty effective as a gothic romance mm-hmm. but as a horror people felt like they were cheated crit- critically mm-hmm. was it was it uh, advertised as a horror the trailers just kind of implied that it would be super spooky, and it was. But like, if you've read any of like classic gothic romance, it's spooky in that way. It follows like almost yeah. all of the tropes. It had a good amount of spook, like yeah. uh, nothing terrifying, but like decent spookage. Yeah. And and so much of it was like an aesthetic that I really enjoyed. Yes. Her dress was beautiful. All of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, like, how people. If they went into that sort of mindset where, like, oh, there's a monster, there's a dark tone, it's supposed to be scary. If people would have gone into that, would Shape of Water have won an Oscar? Was Shape of Water supposed to be a horror? No, definitely no, it, not. It was. It was. Yeah. It, it was, was a romance, romance, right? Yeah. Yeah, but because of like the way that you know, uh, advertisement the, does play oh. a big part in how mm-hmm. people will perceive a movie, yeah. like. For example, um, the movie Watership Down was advertised as a children's movie, but then you watch the actual movie That's and it's bloody and they, you know, it's, movie. yeah, it's, and it's, you know, it just really changed people's perspective on the movie because of the how it was advertised. Well, guys, I think we've, we've reached the end of our horror journey. We've... Pardon my ramblings. <laughs> no. Okay. We've, I think we've all been looked into the dark, and the dark has looked back at us, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> proud of us. Thank you, Void. Um, you look into the void. The void looks back. You wave at the void. The void blushes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining me here. This has been amazing talking to you guys about all things horror and movies and games. And all the good stuff. Hopefully, we'll hear from you again, maybe in in Vortex or future podcasts or whatever else. Yeah, can, definitely. Else we can yeah. Guys, I'm Ricky. This has been the Horror Writers Roundtable with Autumn and Helen and Tink. And we will see you next time when we dive back into the Vortex.